0: So it is a matchup that features two storied programs with glorified pasts who are known to have accomplished so much in college basketball, but are not doing so at least so far this year. I'm talking about North Carolina and UCLA, and they are battling from Las Vegas tomorrow at noon Pacific in a highly anticipated non-conference matchup that will be seen on national television. And rest assured... We are going to bring to light all of the storylines that have manifested. And with that, we welcome you in. This is Locked on Bruins. I'm your host, Brian Fenley. You can find me on Twitter, at Brian Fenley. That is Brian with a Y. You can email me whenever you want, Bruins at gmail.com. Nice to hear from you. And if you have a comment that you'd like to, me to read on the show and answer, we'd be more than happy to do that. A little bit about me as well. I also work for UCLA doing their coach's show with Learfield IMG College, and I'm also a national anchor for Fox Sports Radio. As far as this podcast, you know where to get it. Hitting that subscribe button wherever you digest your podcast. Let your friends and family know, as I will be eternally grateful for that. So what you can expect on this episode. We will look at what Mick Cronin had to say This week, when he was asked about North Carolina, as far as the struggles that the Heels have had, Cronin is still not one to overlook this Heels team. He's kind of disregarding their struggles. We'll tell you why, even though this Heels team has lost four in a row and have dropped five out of their last six games. So we'll get Cronin's take on North Carolina, We will also hear what Cronin had to say about other challenges that his team, they're working through on the defensive end, on the offensive end, as far as execution, what is holding his guys back? You're going to hear what his thoughts are on that. Plus, UNC head coach Roy Williams, following his team's loss in Spokane to number 2 Gonzaga, He pointed out the number one flaw, the number one impediment for his team right now that is much to blame for their struggles. I would argue on top of that, there are so many different factors that are playing into UNC's current demise right now. Injuries are an issue. Now, nobody wants to use injuries as an excuse, but let's be honest with you. The Heels have a a short-manned roster right now, because for one, their their go-to score, their five-star freshman averaging nineteen points per game, he is gonna be out four to six weeks with a recent surgery he had. So the pressing point here of this matchup is going to be how UCLA's front court matches up against UNC's bigs. I thought going into this week, that would be the biggest I don't know, game changer if you will or what would lead to to the winner because because this Heels team for one they are so compromised in in guard play because of the lack of depth. They have had to rely more on the bigs to generate the buckets and to score. If they can't get the bigs going, there is no chance for the Heels to win this game. What we have seen though on UNC or excuse me UCLA side we can't have another episode like when they played North or Notre Dame. You had the likes of Jalen Hill and Cody Riley combined for three of six from the field. I mean, you on the heel side, if you're not getting at least 10 points from either Cody Riley and Jalen Hill in 10 rebounds, if you're not getting somewhere, flirting around a double-double with both of those guys in a game, and you're playing a credible opponent, there's a... A very low fraction of an opportunity to win a game like that. You have to establish your presence in the paint. And both of these teams, while they have struggled, have shown at times that the bigs are able to carry them through as far as point production is concerned. And even though Mick Cronin was very complimentary of North Carolina, despite the loss recently to Gonzaga, he pointed out the reasons to why that is. It's not that it's just a PR statement and he doesn't want to talk bad about a team even though we all know that the Heels are not playing like their prototypical selves. But he did notice that the Heels matched the physicality of Gonzaga. They were able to, the Heels, defend in the passing lanes. I have brought this up earlier this week. The Heels have a ton of girth inside as far as big body presences. They haven't always played that well. uh, UCLA has the same thing. They've got guys that are strong, they've got height, they've got athleticism, but they haven't been able to assert their will in the lane. Part of that is because of some of the ongoing breakdowns defensively, the mental cramps that this team in UCLA has been facing. Mick Cronin said whatever defense we're in, we still have these mental breakdowns. He said particularly against UNC, transition defense for us is going to be paramount. We've got to get back, and when we get back, we got to find our man and match up quickly, or else we're going to get beat to the cup and we're going to be playing from behind. He also pointed out that Cody Riley in this game when he has the basketball he has to have he has to dri- dribble with a purpose, right? I know that's something that we've all heard growing up, you know, when I was playing peewee basketball, the coaches will say, "Don't just dribble for the sake of dribbling. Dribble for a purpose. Dribble to to do something positive for your team." And Mick Cronin had had acknowledged that sometimes Cody Riley sees the scoreboard, sees his team is trailing, and feels like he has to be the hero. And so he jacks up a shot that is ill-advised and doesn't go in. And so all of a sudden, he, he starts feeling like he has to be the man to get the job done. And he's missing shots left and right because they're not in the flow of the offense, they're not in rhythm, they're contested, and, and, and quite honestly, teams are learning that they can compromise him with double teams. That will Keep an eye on this. Cody Riley is going to get double teamed a lot. If he's able to find ways to pass around that, find the open guy. I'll be fascinated to see how well he can read these defenses as he continues to gain experience, because he's one of those guys that has athleticism, but he's also noteworthy for playing below the rim. And that's actually not a bad thing, because as Mick Cronin said, sometimes your most vertically challenged players are your best inside presences, because they have the knack for reading defenses, they don't play too fast, they don't play, they don't overthink, and they don't think not enough, and and, and so they are very cerebral out there, don't make a lot of mistakes and y- y- you have to find basically if you're a teammate of Cody Riley, you got to find an opportunity to get open because as he gets double team how well is he going to handle that help defense is he going to to get panicky I- is he going to be intimidated Or is he going to stay calm and reserved, find a teammate who can knock down the open shots? Because there are going to be open shots, because you're going to see once again, I believe, this Heels team try to pack it in the paint, because it worked for North Carolina, or excuse me, Notre Dame, as they were able to trim down any point production in the lane for UCLA. Coming up in just a moment, where... UNC has been able to have some success. Plus, what does Sharif O'Neal think about his father? Shaq. So as I point as I pointed out in the first segment, you've got to spotlight the bigs for UNC. And specifically, you're going to want to keep an eye on junior big man Garrison Brooks. He's one who's going to give you at least 10 points per game. He'll score double figures on the regular. And then Armando Baycott is a raw... But athletic presence, six foot ten. he's just a freshman. However, the last couple games, he has really dropped off as far as his contributions out there. Roy Williams said, quote, right now he's like three for probably 20 in his last two games. Why is that happening? Well, if you look at the stats for North Carolina, oh, and before I go further, another guy, Brandon Robinson, Still trying to figure out his status. Another presence, big presence for Carolina. He got sick during that Gonzaga game. Stayed in the locker room at halftime and did not play the rest of the game. They kept him in the locker room. So we'll be interested to see what his potential availability is for this game against UCLA. But the problem with North Carolina is they're not... And this was the first time, I believe, all season when they scored over 80 points, and that came against Gonzaga this week. But scoring has not been their strong suit. They haven't had a a, a lot of their scores healthy, right? I mean, guys like Cole Anthony, Leaky Black is another one who has been dealing with an ankle issue. And so there are key contributors who who have not been able to put points on the board and see playing time. So the, the challenge here for the Heels is the fact that their numbers as far as field goal percentage and three-point field goal percentage are, are not what they normally are for a Roy Williams coach team. And Williams went on to say, as far as those offensive shooting woes, he, he said, quote, some guys have lost confidence with their shot. Some other guys have got to do better on the defensive end, but our whole team and the coaching staff, we got to do a heck of a lot better. You could see in that game against Gonzaga that there were North Carolina players who had open looks, but they were shy, they were bashful, they were attentive, whatever you want to say, they did not want to take the shot. The confidence level in the shot was not there. This is a little bit mirroring where UCLA is on the offensive side where they don't really know who is supposed to be the guy offensively right now. And so there are fragments uh, of one guy will step up in a potential game. You'll have a a 20-point game from Cody Riley, but the consistency is not there as far as like, okay, Cody every night is going to give us 15 and 10. Right now, the Heels have the same kind of problem as they try to shoehorn different pieces together here and make it work with some of these injuries. And in fact, they've been running with a point guard named Jeremiah Francis. He's a guy who did not even get to play high school basketball his junior and his senior years because of injuries. And he's now getting healthy. And he got some sizable playing time. And one of the biggest... Criticisms of him is his lack of conditioning because he's been out of basketball three years. But as Coach Williams said, he's trying really hard. Conditioning is not really good, as he said, and has had eight practices in three years. Imagine the starting point guard for Carolina has had eight basketball practices in three years. That is where they've had to go right now because of the shorthandedness in their rotation and lineup it, it goes to show you that those are all contributing factors to why UNC is struggling in a mighty way but the the UNC offense as a whole there's just not a lot of firepower from it right now and as one publication said I was reading some stuff on on the North Carolina publications, and one said, quote, the heels looked terrified at the very idea of shooting the ball. The quote went on, Garrison Brooks was the lone exception. He was the guy that was forcing himself into the lane, assaulting the paint, and being tenacious in the middle. And he was the the lone bright spot on an offense that was very suspect. It it was caught in quicksand. So keep an eye on Brooks. Watch and hope that Hill and Riley can find a way to to close him down. Because if you basically can shut down these bigs, you know, the the North Carolina offense is, is... A fraction of of, of any sort of effectiveness. So that is where you have to key in on. Interior defense, avoid easy shots and, and buckets. And coming up in just a moment, more on how Mick Cronin is evaluating the coming of his defense, progress, or lack thereof, what he sees from it, along with some offensive struggles as well, and execution. So Sharif O'Neal was probably the best player on the court for UCLA against Notre Dame. We look at the loss to the Fighting Irish. What can we think of it as positive? You look right at Sharif O'Neal. 11 rebounds. He was a ball hawk, boxing out, getting boards. That 11 rebounds was a career high. And really love this kid because I just think he's got such maturity about him for a freshman. He's so well spoken and he he's very prudent. I I find it interesting because this is the way it should be. His relationship with his father. You know, you always wonder uh, for example, like if you have a parent who made it at the top of a sport and they're trying to do the same thing for their kid. Is it really for the kid? Or is that parent trying to inject their own legacy into that kid and make it about themselves? How I know that that's not the case with Shaq, Sharif's dad, and Sharif, because obviously Sharif wants to be like his father in the sense of getting to the NBA, is that Shaq and Sharif, and this is something that Sharif mentioned earlier this week at practice, was that This is not a relationship that is really pressuresome to perform. Like Shaq kind of gives Sharif his space. will be there as a mentor and a guide and for the tutelage, but it's not going to be one of those parents. And we've seen them all who, even if like, if you're at a youth sporting event who take it way too seriously and are screaming at their kids Screaming at the refs or the officials or the umpire or whatever sport it is. And from one sense, you think, okay, they're very passionate. They want their kid to succeed. But you have to think about the kid. Like, that's kind of embarrassing. And I think Shaq and Sharif have realized that, like, even when Sharif was in high school, he said that his dad was like, would really get on the refs. And make his presence felt that he was there at the, you know, watching his son. And so now Shaq is kind of like stepping back, letting Cherie figure things out on his own. Because we have seen, you know, in in a, in a vast amount, how some parents who want to turn their kids into prodigies and Sometimes the kids have made it to the top with a lot of baggage. And so at that point, was it really worth it? You got to the top, but all of the emotional heartache, was it really worth it in the end? Obviously, that's something to debate. You you think about even like, I don't know, if you are a tennis fan, you think about like Jennifer Capriati and the crap that she went through from her family to try to push her up the ranks in tennis. And the toll that that had on her from from that point and on. Or if, if you followed USC football and the Todd Marinovich story. Where once again, I, I, I caution parents from being super invested into their kids... Because then it looks like it's about the parent and it's not about the kid. And the kid's the one that's playing. It's their life. If they want to be great, then they will be great. But by pushing them and prodding them to get there, it takes the fun out of it. And you might get the kid to abide and get there. But there's no love of the game. They're going to burn out. It's eventually going to backfire. It's going to tarnish your relationship as a father and a son or whatnot. So in the end, was it really worth it? Something to think about. All right. So my keys to the game, and this is something that Jaime has said uh, earlier this week as well. He said transition defense, boxing out, getting rebounds. I'm going to plagiarize and I'm going to take exactly what Jaime Hawkes said as the keys to the game. If UNC is not able to to do those things and the Bruins are, then UCLA is gonna win. There is not a better time to beat a UNC team than right now. You know, we're not used to them dropping to this level of I don't know mediocrity. So you got to capitalize would give you some nice momentum going into conference play, even though UCLA still has one more non-conference game after this, but to get a power five win, even though the heels are not your top 10 top five team, the brand of North Carolina to beat that brand, I think will do amazing wonders and have incredible uh, overlasting benefits to the morale of this UCLA team and the direction they want to go. Tip off is tomorrow at noon Pacific. Have a wonderful weekend, have a wonderful holiday. I will be in and out next week with with episodes. So hope you can understand as it is the holidays and I do want to spend some time with my family and then I also have other work I have to get done. So appreciate you guys understanding and catching the show. We will talk to you soon. Have a wonderful weekend. And I'm telling you, if you celebrate Christmas or Hanukkah or whatnot, how about some brewing garb and the stocking stuffer or as a gift? You know, can't go wrong there. We'll talk to you later. I'm Brian Fenley.